and please be seated. Great thing about getting an email is because if it's not addressed to the right person, you don't get it. Mail is different though, and we still get mail from time to time. So check out this little thing that I got from this last week. Okay, Global Leadership Network out of Willow Creek, Chicago, Illinois. And then, then zoom in, zoom in on who it's addressed to. That's doctor lust to you. What? I mean, shouldn't there be an algorithm or something? That, that way you'd be like, you know, we should check this one out. I'm not sure that that's accurate. What happens if someone gets your name wrong? What happens if the name that you choose isn't accurate? So in this little piece of paper here, it's uh, from the uh, Minnesota Board of Accountancy, okay? And uh, John Mark Just, 318 East 44th Street. That's where I used to live. The date on it is... I got it, it's really small, 1993, okay? And it's this little piece of paper that says, well, it says that I passed the CPA exam, which is really cool if you want one. Okay, actually, I want that back. I really don't want to give that away. Not that I have it anywhere. I think it'd be cool to put something like that somewhere at some point in time, but, but I passed my CPA exam, right? My certificate number is 15713, but I am not a certified public accountant. People have said, you're a CPA. I'm not a CPA. I don't represent myself as a CPA, okay? I had a career change. Do you call it a career change when you're only 26 and you've never really had a career? Let's be honest. It wasn't a career, okay? It was a change. What happens if a name doesn't reflect the heart? Or what happens if a name you choose doesn't reflect who you really are? Say, for instance, the fact that I once participated in a triathlon. That does not make me a triathlete. I did it once, okay? A triathlete would suggest that you do it over and over again, that you're actively preparing for your next race. What is your proprioceptive ability? Love that word. Hebrews, verse 7, chapter 3, page 1002. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come, for if we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? Week one of a two-part thing. We're not going to cover all the verses this week, but we're dealing first off with this historical reality. The quote is from the Old Testament, okay? But the writer of Hebrews is articulating this is the voice of God. This is the Holy Spirit speaking, which goes to this idea of why we value this book. It's not a book created by humans. It is a book written by humans, but it is a book created by God. The Holy Spirit is speaking. And the quote is from Psalm 95. 
And really what is going on is that the people of God weren't behaving like the people of God. They were the people of God in name only. They would have said, we're the people of God. They would have chose the name at that time that would have identified them as the people of God and said, we are the people of God. But they weren't behaving like the people of God. And their behavior is so offensive to God that, it t- that he takes them out. The text says, if you hear his voice, if, can I invite you to modify this a little bit? But can we seek the voice of God? At any rate, the historical reality plays out like this, right? Okay, there's these group, the people of God, the Israelites that are in Egypt. They've been held in captivity, right? And they, and they've been, they were slaves, They had to work for nothing. And they plead to God, get us out of here. And finally, God, he says, okay, I hear you. Let's do this. And he takes them out of Egypt. This miraculous thing that happens. And he he gets them liberated from the power of the Egyptian pharaoh and the armies and all this kind of stuff. And within a few days, they're at this place called Mount Sinai. And they're like, God's left us in the desert. (laughs) What? And they're like, yeah, God's left us in the desert, so let's make ourselves a calf made out of gold and worship that. Great idea. The text says they had a hard heart. Attitude and thoughts usually precede behavior, right? That on the day of trusting, they didn't trust God. And on that day, God put, rather than their day of testing, with a question of whether or not they would trust God, on that day they put God to the test. And God's like, you gotta you got be kidding me. Did, you, you were, we just did this thing together. We, we just did this thing together. I rescued you from slavery. And the hard heart, right? The attitudes and thoughts that precede behavior the heart that God sees, God says they always go astray. Never took the time to know my ways, God's ways. They won't want to follow the ways that they know. What they want to follow is what they want. In essence, the people of God are almost saying, I don't want to follow you if following you means I'm going to work hard. And God's like, okay, you want to work hard? You want to work hard? Go it alone. Go it alone. You want to see what hard work is? Work alone by yourself. And God says, we're done. You're going to work hard, and you're going to die in the desert. That's the historical reality. You can like the story, you can not like the story, but that's what went down. What the writer of Hebrews is concerned with is how that historical reality applies to the listeners in the first century. And that's where verse 12 takes over. Take care. Take care isn't strong enough. It's kind of like more along the lines of, hey, pay attention. It's like grabbing you by the lapels and shaking you. It's like just rocking your world, you know. 
That happened to me once, okay? I was walking into CrossFit Grow, you know, and I have a, a reputation of being a little bit of a troublemaker or used to. And at the time, Todd Halls was coaching that day, and, and I walked in. I was full of vim and vinegar and all this kind of stuff. And Todd just was like, hey! I'm just like, I just like, and I didn't say anything the rest of the hour. He's like, see, it worked. I got your attention. That's what the writer of Hebrews is doing, okay? It's not, take care. You're good. No, it's like screaming, I want your attention. Don't be like that. Don't be an evil, unbelieving, falling away from the living God sort of person. And the writer of Hebrews draws a line from the people of God whose story is told in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, straight to the first century. And I would argue we can continue that line to today because we are the people of God. We might use a slightly different name, but we are the people who believe in the living God. And we can take all of the challenges that God has had with people who call themselves the people of God and ask, is any of this true of me? Do I have a hard heart? Am I a crusty old curmudgeon? On the day of testing, whatever that looks like, do I trust God? Or on the day of testing, do I put God to the test? And again, if anyone's paying attention, the activity of God in our lives is vibrant and visible. And God says, I have this history with you. You can trust me. Do we have a propensity to go astray? Not taking the time to know the ways of God, not taking the time to follow the ways that we know, following what we want, when we want, pursuing the way things used to be, or pursuing self. And if the writer of Hebrews were here today, and we were to say, well, give me the example then that I should follow, the writer of Hebrews would say who? Yeah. Yeah. Look at what Jesus did. You know how I love to pick on political powers. Jesus could have chosen a political party to identify with. There were liberals in his day. There were conservatives in his day. There were libertarians in his day. Okay. Jesus offended all of them equally. He's like, you're all a bunch of idiots. You may not like that. We may not like that. But Jesus chose to represent God, even though it meant he would die. Jesus chose to serve, not to be served. We so often want to be told that, that we are good, that we're doing good. And yet the gospel of Jesus Christ reminds us that we need to think, not in terms of our own self-glory, but in terms of following God. And it is a decidedly not complex idea. At any rate, God tells to the people of God in way back when, 
And the writer of Hebrews drawing that line to the first century, and today, us drawing that line, okay? If we're going to go it without God, then there's going to be no rest. The concept of rest in the Old Testament is the concept uh, of a Sabbath. Imagine no rest. Imagine never getting to take a day off. Imagine never getting to take a break. Some people might say, you don't know my life, because that's how I'm living. I'm sorry for you. Imagine no Sabbath. I mean, even the workaholics among us still enjoy a round of golf on company time. Maybe the definition of hell, rather than be in a fiery place, is a place where you never get to rest. You always have to work. You can never escape the tyranny of labor. And don't get me wrong. A lot of us do a lot of good with the work that we do. Yes, be engaged in commerce, own businesses, work for people, have people that work. Yes. But the text says, if we go without God, there's no rest. The rest is a product of, of disobedience. Rather, the no rest is a product of disobedience. And it's one of these things, right? Because so often we want to think of ourselves in the best possible light. And so we're like, well, I'm not disobedient all the time. And, and so we're like, no, I'm obedient, right? And, but that's not, the text isn't about being no obedience at all. The text is about disobedience, and to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? Take this one, okay? More than once, okay? I've been out in the sun, okay? And I put sunscreen on, right? Okay? But invariably, because I'm not terribly detail-oriented and my brain just kind of doesn't work in that way, okay, I will miss a spot. And then I'll have a red sunburn spot, right? Because the texture and tone of my skin isn't perfect. If it was perfect, it would have a little, what's the thing that's in skin? Melanin? Melon? Melon? Mel melatonin. I think melatonin's a drug you take. Isn't it? Isn't it melanin? Or At any rate, it's pigment. Okay, it's pigment, right? And if you have enough dark pigment, then you, you know, you like got perfect skin and you don't, sunburn doesn't bother you, right? Okay, but I'm not that person. And I'll forget, right? And then Tanya will be like, you're sunburned. I'm like, well, I put sunscreen on. That's true. But it's not truthful. No, if, if you had put sunscreen on the red, inflamed, angry skin, it wouldn't be red, inflamed, and angry. I, I can see why, based on what you look like, that, well, you're burnt, And some of us might say, well, I obey God some of the time. All I'm trying to do is protect us from sun damage, right? The refrain, I'm good with God. So what is your proprioceptive ability? I found this word this week, didn't know it before this week. Just say it, it's just kind of a fun word, proprioceptive. Proprioceptive, like pro, like for, prea, prius. Proprioceptive ability. 
What's your proprioceptive ability, okay? It, it's knowing where your body is, right, in space. Your proprioception, knowing where your body is in space in relationship to other objects around you, it lets you walk down the stairs without looking at the stairs, okay? I know that the stairs are there even though I'm not looking at them, and it makes me go backwards too. That's proprioception going on. It's a cool, cool thing. It's knowing where you're at in relationship to what is around you. I read the Wall Street Journal from time to time. There was an article this last week uh, entitled, The Hustlers Who Started America. I love the article. It's a story about uh, Walter McDougall. Dougal? Yeah, Walter McDougall, he's a professor of history at University of Pennsylvania, Ivy League, nice school, okay, never been there, but I've heard good stories. At any rate, Walter's kind of like frustrated, okay, because he divides, okay, or sees in the landscape in which we live, the reality that, that there are people who are either wigs or wokes, okay, and woke doesn't mean you woke up from a nap. It means something different, okay? And he's like, okay, on the wig side, it's like everyone's like, oh, it's the greatest thing in the world. There's no problems. And on the woke side, it's like, oh, everything's bad. There's nothing good with our country. And he's like, I'm kind of dissatisfied with both perspectives because the reality is there's a position in the middle that is historically accurate. <laughs> Some of his quotes, you may not like these, but they're funny to me. He says the American colonists were scofflaws and emphasizes that the genius of the American people is that so often their corruption is creative. <laughs> you may not like the quote, but it's a funny quote, right? At least I thought it was funny. Well, he says something really telling, and I think it's something that we do to ourselves spiritually. One of the kind of clever tricks that Americans play on themselves is to want to feel good about doing well, but not telling yourself that's what you're doing. I don't know where you are on the debate of woke versus wig, and if you, and if you want the article, I send it to you. It's, it's really well done, right down the middle of the road. Proprioceptive ability is knowing where you are in physical space. Can we apply that with a spiritual component to it? In an honest appraisal, where are we in our relationship with God? Are you on this side where you're like, oh, everything's good. No problems here. Nothing to see. God and I are tight. Or are you on this side where you're like, I don't even know that God exists or even cares about me. Because the truth is probably in the middle. What is your proprioceptive ability? Do we call ourselves the people of God, followers of Jesus, Christian, but only display either a casual interest or a distant affection or a one-time experience? Or even more insidious, do we repeatedly call ourselves something, convincing ourselves that it must be true, without ever being objectively ruthless with our own faith walk, and really asking the question, am I a Christian in name only? Like I've said, I've run one triathlon. 
that does not make me a triathlete. Please pray with me. Father, we're left hanging with the text because obviously there is encouragement in the text. Verse 13 talks about how we can encourage one another. And so I want you who are here today, I want us to know that there is hope. But allow the weight of the text to rest Are we followers of Christ in name only? Allow the challenge of that to resonate in our hearts and our long lives. Father, use your spirit in a unique way to examine our lives to enable us to see clearly, to be affirmed that you love us and that you care for us and to be challenged, that you want us to walk with you in an authentic and real way. Father, allow us to enjoy the weekend that we are in the midst of. Certainly keep us safe. Let us celebrate well because truly this is an extraordinary space and land and time in which we live. And we are grateful that we get to experience it. We view it as a gift from you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this community of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.